If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything and everything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to Green Bay great Amon Green about his love of Batman and whether the NFL would ever consider moving a small market team like the Packers to Gotham City. And with the world gearing up, to watch Cuba Gooding Jr. play O.J. Simpson in a new miniseries event, we'll look back at O.J.'s breakout role in The Naked Gun, a movie that starts with the juice breaking into someone's house in the middle of the night. Not uh, not so great. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me on the road this week in my notes, but actually I'm staring right at you, Adam. Joining me in the studio this week... A leading sports media strategist who has worked for the Green Bay Packers, Colorado Buffaloes, and the future L.A. Trumps, it is Adam <laughs> Willard. Adam, how are you? That would be, you know, I I have said uh, as much as I enjoy my weekends off, the one intriguing job in sports to me would be the head PR guy of an L.A franchise that went back there it would be a mess and a headache but there'd be some awesome stories that would come out of it i think be kind of cool part of sports history all right well they might be hiring who knows who knows Allah at me uh not with us is gareth hughes our producer extraordinaire he's not dead he's not dead he's just he's just (laughs) off sucked into the whirlpool that is Super Bowl like the rest of us, but uh, can't get to a phone. And ladies and gentlemen, on a hot mic this week, put your hands together. It is our producer, our editor, our everything, Joe Reed. Joe, what do you have to say to us? How's it going, Brad? How's it going, Adam? Hey, Joe. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> I was waiting. Whoa, I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, wait. Joe's, Joe's about to launch into I something was in, I was very ambitious there. Let me, let me, let me redo that inflection. How's it going, Brad? Red. How's it going, Adam? <laughs> yeah, that's about, nothing. That's and about nothing. right. That's about right. Okay. All right. Hey, we got a lot of time. It's a long year. You're I'll paid, get there. You're paid for your hands, not your mouth. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Um, speaking that of, that sounds really weird. Actually, now that I've <laughs> laughed out loud. No, it's appropriate. He's right. Um, we just want to take a second to thank all of our listeners the beautiful and unique sparkle ponies in the words of chris cluey the nfl punter who provides our theme song and coined that term if you listen to the show you're a beautiful unique sparkle pony to us we want to thank you all for downloading us subscribing rating and reviewing on itunes and when you do leave a comment you could be our comment of the week this week sam is a good guy Sam says he likes the podcast, but then he jokes, I'm assuming he jokes, that he listens to every episode for the stock tips and reports. So Sam, thank you. My tips this week, best buys are Chipotle and Powerball tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Invest in your future, Sam. I really thought you were going somewhere there. Invest in your future. Mm. No. I I don't know. Joe, do you have a diversified portfolio? No, but I do have a Powerball ticket. So I was going to give you a cut if I won, but let's talk about your 401k off air and how much of it you're going to take out and give to me. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. You may want to reinvest in some coins. Joe, if you win the Powerball, um, we'll talk. Maybe you can get a mic stand. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or maybe, or maybe we're going to get shut down because Joe's going to buy the whole company. I've got a concept for you. Just not sports mascot. Ooh. What would be the Just Not Sports mascot? Something it's got to be something totally unrelated I know what to be. sports. I know what it'd be. It'd a be human a, pinata. I know. Ooh. I know exactly what it would be. <laughs> it'd be a mascot with his head off, do, like doing something else, like reading a book. Or oh, something. it would just be like a mat, like a dude, like a like mas- if you were Benny the duty. Bull. I wouldn't want to talk to Benny the Bull about being Benny the Bull. I'd want to be like the guy in the costume. I'm reading David Foster Wallace, but I'm still in the suit. Oh, I get it. 
not a headless person. Yeah, no, no, a it's just like with the revealed. With the, okay. Yeah. So you thought it was like end of seven. What's in the box? It's the head of Benny the Bull. Just at sports. Tune in. Spoiler alert for uh, yeah. seven, by the I way. I thought we were getting... <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Gwyneth Paltrow we does we not dark. have a good end to that movie. Spoiler alert. What? Indeed. Have you seen yeah. the movie? Jesus, guys. <laughs> nope. Don't need to yeah. know. Do <laughs> it. Statue of limitations well, on spoilers is like three weeks. I haven't in seen Rocky era. either, so whatever. All right. Uh, speaking <laughs> of the internet, on this show, we do not just invite people on. We publicly shame them until they join us on the show. We call this process slamming the hammer down... And we're going to do it right now on a few unsuspecting souls who committed the cardinal sin of expressing a like publicly. Now, you need to come on the show. Adam, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to start this week. Ooh, okay. Ooh, damn. I'm going to invite Tim Tebow on the show. I don't know if you guys know who Tim Tebow is. Yep. I've heard of him. Okay. He played quarterback in the SEC. Very nice guy. Tim Tebow... I saw this on like through his charity online, and he's got an organization that actually sets up proms for special needs kids. So, like my wife, my wife um, works. She's a master's in counseling and, and specializes and works with students with developmental disabilities and special needs. And every year, she would work at the prom they host mm. at the school. So, ama- these are amazing events. I think they're like they're really great. And I know that this is really about kind of what athletes are passionate about and interested in. And I just feel like Tim Tebow, for him to kind of run with this idea as big as he has and broadly nationally, I, no snark. Like, I just think it'd be great to talk about it. I, you know, he seems like a guy who would just really relish this. And, and candidly, Tim, it just seems like an awesome thing to do. So um, if you need a chaperone, I'm saying it right now. Adam and I will chaperone the the proms, and uh, we'll do a great job. I Joe think, Joe I, is not allowed near schools within 500 feet, but that's a uh, subject for damn it. Day. I think that's another Just Not Sports Remote episode. You know, sort of like uh, like the red carpet at the at the yeah. uh, Golden Globes or at the Oscars. Yeah, How about we'll enough suggesting and start finding us a producer who can go in your place, perv. You know what? All right. Spreading rumors. You're a bunch of jackasses, all right? And Joe gets to cut this part out. Uh, Adam, Adam, who are you going to slam the hammer down to? Uh, I feel like we've had plenty of Packers on the show. Um, there are a couple left. The one I really would like... Uh, that's a good transition. Up next, our interview with Amon Green. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but uh, other than Amon, who is very passionate about his topic. Um, one guy who I would like on, because I think he's one of the best storytellers I've ever met in my life, is uh, is Brett Favre. So uh, my experience with him early in my career, and it's something I didn't fully appreciate um, until I got older like I am now. But um, I, as I think a lot of people know, so when you hear the broadcast team talking about um, a player interaction they had the day before, like we got a chance to sit down with Tony Romo or Aaron Rodgers, those are set up, those interactions are set up by the PR team. So it used to be, uh, it was my job for a while. When we got to the hotel, Brett would always be on a road trip. Brett would always be the last guy to come down and talk to um, the production crew. So you would call room service. You would order Brett his cheeseburger and fries. You'd go up to his room. Um, then after other players and the coach had talked to the broadcast crew, Brett would come down. And um, Brett did a great job with every crew, but only now do I realize how special it is uh, were the conversations that he had with John Madden. And I'm not asking Brett to reveal anything private that w- was d- were discussed, but Brett did such a great job of talking about family stories, which is kind of after right. the football was out of the way with these conversations he uh, kind of tra- transformed into, um, that it would be great just to have him come on air and talk about some of his family stories that I'm sure he's told in miscellaneous interviews um, throughout his career, but he's just such a, a phenomenal speaker. He grew up uh, 
in outside of Hattiesburg, where my father was also born. I just think there's a lot of great tales to be had. And Brett, uh, if you're listening or if you know Brett and you can help us, please reach out. <laughs> I like that. Brett, if you're listening, come on the show. Also, if you know Brett, yeah. <laughs> please help us. It sounded just a little bit more desperate than I think you needed to, man. No. Call him. Yeah. Uh, you mean how, yeah, like half the players I text, I get <laughs> wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> no. New phone, who this? <laughs> New phone, who this? New phone. Hey, or, hey, what's up? How are you? Yeah. Great. What have you been up to? Where are you living these days? What are you doing for work? Adam. Hey. Adam. Well, hey, uh, that's, I mean, kidding aside, that's where the show started. Like, we started the show because because of those interactions, and you see a different side of the people in the sports world, media and athletes. So I think it'd be great. Brett, come on. We'll talk about hunting, fishing. Rango jeans. Copperfit. Copperfit. I could still make all the throws with my Copperfit Pro. There you go. I'm in. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, email us at justnotsports at gmail.com or tweet us at justnotsports. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is a must-listen-to interview. Amon Green, or should I say Aman, since he's into Batman. No, those don't rhyme. That was terrible. Okay, well, Amon Green, Green Bay Packers legend, all-time leading rusher, really into Batman, the type of fandom you definitely want to hear from an athlete. Stay tuned. It's a great interview. We'll be right back. Oh, now look at my boy. It's about to start. Fill it, my boy, with the sound of your heart. Make it go boom, shala. Our guest today is longtime NFL running back Amon Green. Amon led the 1997 Nebraska Cornhuskers to a national title, rushing for more than 200 yards in an Orange Bowl blowout over Tennessee and some guy named Peyton Manning. After turning pro, Amon became a superstar for the Green Bay Packers. He was a four-time Pro Bowler and was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame after becoming the team's all-time leading rusher. So we all know Amon has a ton of fans himself, but what you may not know is he is a fan of Batman. So today we're going to break down all aspects of the Dark Knight. Adam and I love this topic, love talking Batman. So Adam, uh, Amon, thank you so much for joining. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Awesome. I want to cut right to the chase. We all know the best Batman right. on film was George Clooney. I'm just wondering who's number two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, you you definitely done your research and you you being a sarcastic person right now. Uh no, number one for me is uh Jack Nicholson and uh back in nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine with uh Tim Burton directed Batman and um Jack and Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton I mean were in the movie and then yep. number two is Kristen Bell for me. He did a real good job and then way down the line is Val and Val Kilmer and uh George Clooney, um, just it just this was like it's just awkward, you know. Yeah, I guess. right. Um, it was, I know. I think Val's his time as Batman was a little too uptight, and George just, I think, and he admitted it. George Clooney actually admitted it. He didn't do Batman or Bruce Wayne no justice when he played the role back in I believe 1995 or 96 or seven somewhere in there. And uh, so at least he can admit that and. And, you know, I've been in acting, so I know it's, it's not an easy job. So to try to pull off somebody that is so iconic as Batman or Bruce Wayne, it's you got to make sure you do a lot of research, do a lot of homework, um, find what you think is good for yourself, but then kind of ask people if you're prepared for that role. Like, look, you know, does this sound like a good Bruce Wayne or a good Batman? Because I know in the last couple of Batmans with uh, Christian Bell, his voice, bothered a lot of people when he was in the Batman suit right. so for me me being a fan I didn't really care you know it just is what it is you know but for most people yeah, they didn't like the, the the scratchy voice or you know raspy voice to to make his make him more of a um a, a, I say a vigilante vigilante for uh, Gotham having the, the deep raspy voice so yeah it was uh for me like I said uh, 
one, Michael Keaton, two, uh, Kristen Bell, and and then Val and George on on down the line. <laughs> I'm a Michael Keaton guy too. Uh, and by the way, I thought about doing the entire interview using the Christian Bale Batman voice, but figured it wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know. What you <laughs> yeah, mean. that's Adam trying it. Uh, I'm a Michael Keaton fan too. I think his I think his performance is probably the most kind of complex and brooding of the of the guys who played it. Uh, but I I'm just wondering now that the Bale movies were so popular and just kind of took things to an even bigger level for this new generation. Do, do you think that there's that younger people today are rediscovering that Tim Burton era Batman, or is it kind of being forgotten a little bit? Uh, I think it's been forgotten. I don't think the new generation really knows what, uh, what the Tim, what Tim Burton bought to brought to Batman by actually bringing it to the big screen. And probably at that time, probably at least 20, 30 years, you know, other than the, the cartoon version, or not the cartoon version, the TV show version with Adam West and Burt Ward. So beyond that, you know, you know, there I know it's probably some kids, you know, downloading it or parents might have it and watch it and it might catch it or it might not. We really don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot other than uh, the recent stuff of Batman and definitely the new stuff that's about to come out. So it's, uh, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see in the near future if, if people, if young kids could pick up on the older the older Batmans and kind of bring that that retro Batman back to life. Um, Amon, uh, you mentioned the the um, well. First and foremost, I remember the live action 1960 show you're referencing, uh, featuring Adam West, and I remember being like eight or nine years old, and my mom explaining to me that it was a comedy and slapstick, and it was the <laughs> second most devastating thing to happen to me. Uh, with the exception of being told Santa Claus wasn't real. Uh, did you, was that how you were introduced to Batman or did you discover Batman through the comics? Uh, no, I was introduced the same way. And the, the part of it with the, you know, with the bam flat, flat on the screen, that, that kind of, you know, was the entertainment factor. And I kind of knew about that because as a kid, you know, outside of school and sports, I had my fair share of watching TV shows, so I kind of knew that, you know, oh, this, this is a show that's going to go this way. It's going to be a comedy or action or a drama or something like that. And knowing being a comic book, you know, TV show is going to be having a little comedy, some action, of course. So I kind of just, it was part of it that I, that what, what made me fall into it, fall in love to it. I mean, I liked it and it entertained me. It was funny, goofy, you know, and it's kind of, when I learned, you know, at that time I was already like, Man, Batman's kind of out of shape. You don't really have like a six pack or no <laughs> muscles or anything. Yeah. And it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that. That wasn't the good looking thing back then to be be shredded and have abs and be in shape. I guess it was just okay to kind of just be you with being a costume like Adam West was. So, you know, it's just uh, it's been you know obviously changed over the comic book years and comic book movie years. Everybody's different. You got real real people playing, you know. The characters, in terms of non-costume, it's just all—it's actually the people getting in shape for it. Like you know, Christian Bell, he he beefed back up to about a 215, 220 pounds to get ready for his role as uh, Bruce Wayne. So that was impressive, and it was definitely fun to watch to be, you know, in a legit costume. That's really is all all that character or all that actor who did his job to get in shape. I mean, to be fair, most billionaires aren't ripped. <laughs> so well, that's why. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. That's why they put nipples and abs on George Clooney's bat right. suit, man. Just cover up what you don't have, you know. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. The you mentioned the joke earlier. You talked about Jack Nicholson. I think what the Batman universe has that I think even the Marvel universe doesn't is the most compelling villains. Because I I think the Joker is probably yeah, the, right. the most iconic villain. Can you talk about? why you think that character resonates and why people have such a fascination with the way actors decide to portray it or artists decide to draw him or portray him in comics too? Um, Because Joker is just messed up on all levels. (laughs) And it's, it, it starts from childhood. I mean, if you read his backstory, you know, his mom messed him up and, or he's kind of, he was just a kid trying to be liked and, you know, be loved by his mom and liked by friends and kind of was rejected, you know, or mistreated on one end in terms of the friend aspect. And mom kind of did it the same way, but in her loving way, but still messed him up. And then as he grew up, you know, trying to find a wife and all that. And, 
you know, that's that whole situation there. If you read his backstory, just it's mad. You you see why he's the Joker. He has right. no remorse. He he he's diabolical. He breaks things down. Obviously, different in his head. And so everybody, I think that acts him. They want to see a different shade of him because when you read a comic book that has him fighting Batman or dealing with the Justice League or whatever, he's coming at you in a different angle. He is always going to be, you know, putting a plan together, but you don't know what he's doing. You know, aggressive, the other way he might be passive aggressive where he's playing like he's been beaten and all of a sudden here he comes from the back end behind you. He has some other plan that, that he unhitched on you and then he wins or he, he, he kills somebody that shouldn't have died. And, uh, just he like I said, one thing he definitely has in the end, he doesn't have no remorse on who he takes out. You know, if it's a supervillain or superhero, or uh, they're all you know they're alter ego or their family member or whatever. You know, Joker, he's in it for himself. Is I mean the best the best way to describe Joker is how Michael Keaton, I'm not Michael Keaton, uh, Michael Caine, Alfred in the, the Christian Bell series. I think it was in uh, the one with with the Joker in it with uh, Heath Ledger. When he said uh, when you had the guy in Burma, you know, stealing the jewels from the people and yep. he was wasn't even doing nothing with them. He was just stacking them up and didn't matter. You know, it wasn't about the money. He just wanted to he just wanted to create chaos. And uh, and I think every party that has you know, played the Joker from Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger and now seeing the previews of Jared Leto, they've done a great job because it's it's kinda for me, I think it would be easy to play the Joker because you just literally act crazy i mean it's but you have that crazy part of you that you show to everybody but then behind the scenes you have that 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 i say that that mathematical diligent person that's already got a plan and a backup plan just in case the first plan a don't work plan b is going to go you know and but you throw people off by being so out there you know with your with your antics with your laughing with your makeup with your clothes you make everybody miss the Missed the point of who you actually are, and that's how Joker is so powerful. And that's essay gets away with a lot of stuff because he throws, he he starts people off one direction with, oh, I'm crazy, I don't really have a plan, but you know what? I actually do have a plan. Here it is. Here's my plan unhitched and unhatched, and boom, boom, boom. You know, everything gets blown up or killed. People get killed, and and Joker's won. And sometimes he probably don't even have a plan. It just works out for himself anyway because he don't. He's, he's cynical. Yeah, you know? I think the line so. was some people just want to watch the world burn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, that, and he's one of them guys. So on the other side of uh, of classic characters associated with Batman is of course Robin. Um, Aman is a fan of yeah. the movies and the comics. Um, is there a favorite portrayal of Robin that you've seen? Or first, um, are you pro Robin, or are you yeah, just are you like pro Robin eh, or pro solo Batman? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm pro Robin. I just I'm pro Robin. I just hope they give Robin some love, man. Maybe <laughs> like they haven't really did nothing with him in the recent, you know, with Christian Bell and with Justice League around the corner. Hopefully, they'll introduce him some way, some in some way, somehow. But he's definitely in all in the comic books. I've been reading yeah. through the Dark Knight and all that and stuff. So he's definitely there. Um, with Chris O'Donnell, that wasn't a good. That was actually a good job. He in all those films that he played Robin, he actually did a pretty good job. And you know, and then with Christian Bale, you thought um, uh, what's his name, uh, John Hewitt, uh, Love It or whatever how you say his name. He was the the officer. Oh yeah, in the oh, last right, Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Just, Joseph Gordon. And and they kind of yeah they kind of alluded you know that he was going to be Robin and then nothing you know and it's over because obviously Christian Bale didn't sign on and. There's a new Batman now with Ben Affleck, so you're going to see. It's going to be interesting, but I think Robin needs some love, you know, because there's been different shades of Robin. You know, there's been a girl Robin. There's been a kid Robin, a grown man of Robin. There's been different Robins out there. So I think that's probably where a writer or a director probably might have, you know, a little kind of standoffish because there's so many Robins out there. You know, not just, it's always one Batman. It's always Bruce. He's middle-aged. He's got a you know, fight this villain, but Robin, it could be the girl Robin, it could be a kid Robin, it could be middle-aged teenage Robin or adult Robin, but so that's why why you haven't seen a whole lot of, of characters, you know, portraying Robin or writers putting them in, in their scripts. The most interesting Robin, as you said, the kid Robin, the most interesting Robin to me in the comics was it's Bruce Wayne's long-lost son 
who was uh, yeah. raised by the Shadow League, I believe, wow. and was a ruthless killer. Yeah. And Batman had to stop him, Bruce Wayne, that is, had to stop him from killing people. Huh. Yeah, he was uh, Talia Ghouls was the mom is the mom right. of, of okay. one of the Robins and and that's why he was in the League of Shadows and he took part, you know, took after his mom and his grandfather obviously, Raza Ghoul. And uh yeah, I read that one too. So yeah, I mean just like I said, it's so many different faces of Robin. You don't know where to go because you know how fan fanboys and girls are. We're very we're very critical. Right. <laughs> even 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 though people call us geeks and dorks, hey, we are critical or what you put on the big screen about our characters, good or bad. You know, we want things to be true to the book. You know, we want, if we see, if we read in a comic book, we want to see it on the big screen. It's pretty much it. And wasn't it, and maybe I'm confusing this with another comic, but wasn't it a legendary moment in comic book history in the 80s where DC gave fans a choice of whether or not they should kill Robin? Um, and I think that was the Dick Grayson version, and they chose to kill Robin. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's huh. the thing about. I, I, wow, that was if it, that was eighties. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't reading grammar books then, but I know now. Recently, Robin has died in one series. Yeah. So they have no problem killing off Robin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no mean, problem killing my man off. That's the thing I like about comic franchises, and I know it's a double-edged sword. You mentioned I'm on how protective, how protective the fans are of the of the characters. I kind of like how they can be reinvented every few years and rebooted. They've been people talk about rebooting movies. Well, they've been doing that with comic books forever, and so do, do they you, do it. Yeah, they do it every year. Yeah, do you find yourself liking even even when somebody takes a big swing and it misses? Like Jared Leto is is doing something interesting with the Joker. It, not everyone's happy with it, but I applaud him for just not trying to make a Heath Ledger impression. How do you respond to the right. new interpretations of the characters, and do you tend to like seeing them brought to life in a new way, or do you are you more of a traditionalist? No, I, I say I'm a, um, I'm an optimist. I like to see new stuff. So, right. if you've been reading the recent comic books of Batman, Joker, and all that in the DC universe, what Jared Leto's doing is been introduced to the comic book world already so his version of the joker has been has existed um in a series uh, i can't i just can't think of the series but he so he's done his either he did his research or somebody else did their research to tell him hey try this out right. you know so it's either one or the two and i like and what i've seen so far i like it um i like it a lot so i really can't wait to suicide squad yeah. drops you know it's gonna be fun you know hey, between speaking- that and and Batman and Superman. Speaking of what you what you said, what you've seen so far, not to cut you off, is it right yeah. that you are in you are in at least as an extra the new Batman vs Superman movie? Yeah, I'm in yeah. there. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm more. I think I'm more than an extra because okay. I got uh, a lot of camera time. Um, my my character name is Thug Number Two, and if you go to IMDb right now, I am on the cast list. Thug so Number Two. I think I'm. Uh, yep, Thug Number Two. I am. If you go to IMDb, awesome. I'm on the cast list. So I think. So I'm thinking more than an extra, and that was just a dream come true. You know, it was just a great opportunity that Zack Snyder and their cast casting director gave me to uh, to be on set because uh, we met a couple years ago shooting uh, when he was shooting Man of Steel. Um, over up in Vancouver, and we just we, we we got to know each other, talking over the years, and and the first time from the first time I met Zack Snyder, like I said, great guy, great cameraman, you know, great crew that I actually got to meet. But he was like, I'm on, I got to get you in the movie, you know. It's like he's a Packer fan. He grew up in Wisconsin, nice. moved to Los Angeles or, Cali- or California. And that's how he got into movies, directing commercials first, and then TV shows, and on up to you know, Watchmen and 300, Rise of Empire and all that stuff. So to now, he's from day one, after we hung out and talked at dinner, he's like, man, I got to get you in a, a movie, you know? And I say, look, man, my, one of my favorite movies of all time, I heard you're about to direct because you're doing this one, is uh, Batman, the next Batman movie series or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we'll try to, you know, we'll try to get on it. You know, we just, I just kept, you know, sending messages, calling him and just kind of reminding him because he's a direct, he's a big time <laughs> movie director. So, right. You know, he's a guy. He's a guy that can trust me. Forget things, and it won't be his fault because he has a thousand things going on every day. So, just stay consistent with contacting him. And then finally, I got a call from Warner Brothers Studios about um, setting up flights. And this is this is where we're shooting. You know, it's the summer. Of, it was two summers ago now. 
the summer of 2014 and it was just like yes here we go yeah. so yeah it was uh it's fun and it's a movie's coming out and march 25th i can't can't wait you know so i'm actually in the process of making thug number two t-shirts so Thug number uh-huh. two, two T-shirts are coming to a web a website soon to your to you guys. <laughs> we, we will promote them via we our social channels. We'll wear them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, for sure. You, for sure. How good is the new movie going to be? I know you can't give spoilers. You can't give too many secrets away. <clears> but how optimistic are you? This is going to meet the expectations because they are high expectations. Oh man, for me, like I said, I'm a fan, and I'm not too critical only on certain things. But from what I've seen. What I saw on set and what I've seen in the previews is like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. And what, and what the good thing about this, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, just like Star Wars came out, and this is just the beginning of the next five years of Star Wars film coming out. It's the same thing with DC and Justice League and Batman and all that. It's a it's the start of about five or six movies that's going to basically tie into this movie. And this is the, this is the the um the stem of the, the um, stick of dynamite, you know, it's gonna light it up, and then after that, it's gonna be five or six big movies in the next between now and 2020, 2021. That's gonna just erupt the comic book world and what we know it on the big screen, and that's what I'm excited about. So what you're saying is, Thug Number Two at the end of this movie is gonna become the Penguin in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, you know what? If that was the case, oh, I would love it. That would be so fun, but. Nah, I'll say that. That's definitely not a spoiler because that didn't happen. So, <laughs> hey, hey, Amon. So, uh, question, uh, interesting casting question. So, uh, I, so there's been some recent controversy uh, in movies lately. I think first when Michael B. Jordan was cast as uh, Johnny Storm tort. in the Fantastic Four right. movie, um, then right. you had a, a black stormtrooper in the new Star Wars movie. There's been talk of oh, Idris Elba playing the new James Bond. Will we yep, ever see that's a, been a talk uh, for about three, four years now, yeah. Will we ever see uh, a black or minority Batman? I, it's a possibility because, reason why I say this, because in, in, in Batman, Batman series, there's a Batman series that came out about two years ago called Batman Inc., and we're Batman Incorporated. And basically, it's Bruce Wayne in this series is like, you know, he's like 60, 70 years old, right? So he's still has the, the want to fight crime, but physically he can't. So what he does, he goes to every country in the world and basically recruits Batmans. So he has a Batman, he has in every country in Africa, every country in Europe, every country in Australia, or down in Australia, Micro-Asia, China, India, every country, every city has a Batman. So in that series, there was a, a black Batman, there's an Asian Batman, there's a Latino Batman, there's Batman of every culture and creed and, 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 and a belief in this comic book series. So if that, if anybody, any director has the hope or one day, you know, I, 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 I could raise up enough funds to do it. I'll do it because that's then when we'll have, it won't be Bruce Wayne, but it'll be somebody of, uh, it could be African-American descent or African descent and Asian descent and the Batman costume. So it's a book. The, the series has already been created. So it's there. It's just if somebody wants to buy it and write it and put it on the big screen, it, it will happen. So, yeah, I could see that happen. I mean, it's so clear your knowledge of Batman runs deep. I know I've seen news articles about you and, and stories where they talk about your fandom. They, they kind of go into your home and show off your stuff. I'm just curious, like, what's the coolest thing that you own? And how did your fellow players greet your level of fandom when um, you were in the league? Uh, well, I didn't. if there is a ton of comic book readers in the NFL, you don't really know because guys don't really talk about it. Right. Um, I mean, I, w- I would see, you know, a guy, I remember, I remember seeing a uh, a news spread on Lance Briggs that he was in the comic books. I know Lance too. And I hung out never knew that. So you don't really know. Um, yeah. He wrote a comic for, book for the fans. Right. Exactly. See, you know, and like, I think, uh, but for the fans to find out, they love it. Yeah. You know, and, and really, it really is like, Oh man. And like with my, my knowledge, you know, of DC, I'm learning stuff going on in Marvel because they got a lot of good stuff going on from guardians of the galaxy Two coming out. And, uh, you got the new X-Men with um, ah, shoot, Apocalypse. You know, he's coming out with his flick, and that's starting up 
a whole new thing, you know, and then Wolverine coming back and all that stuff. So it's just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, be a student of both worlds because that's what comic book fanboys and girls do. They got to know all about the comic book world, not just DC, not just Marvel, you know, but every other little thing, tidbit of comic book. I mean, I'm even starting my own web show. I'm going to be doing what you guys are doing. I'm going to do a web series on YouTube, actually, a video one. Nice. Um, call it, we're, going call it, we're going to call it Geek Out, you know, geek, or Geeking oh. Out, one of the two. You know, so, and that's going to be all what we're talking about now, comic books from every world, uh, TV, movie, t- um, video, video games, whatever's coming out in pop culture. I'm going to be talking about it with my co-host, uh, Larry Marcus. So that's coming out probably in another month or so. Awesome. On, on YouTube, so you know, because um, I got plenty of things to do, but one thing I don't get a chance to do all the time is talk comic books and talk movies. I'm finishing off Game of Thrones. Me and my wife are doing that, so that is an awesome series. So, you know, it's just uh, it's something like I said, when fans like I've been to Comic Con twice. I'm trying to make that a yearly thing for me and my family. And when I meet a fan and they're like, "What are you doing here at Comic Con?" I'm like, "I'm just like you. I'm a comic book fan." You know, that's like. I can yeah. do this. I want to, I, I love it. I like to get lost, you know, in the comic or in the movie and just, just listen and have fun and kind of be in that role for that, for that hour and a half, two hours or whatever it takes me to read the book. It's just kind of cool to, to, under, to, to learn and, and see the interesting artwork, the writing and what people actually sit down. It's like, you know what, I'm gonna put this on pen and paper and, see, and entertain people by doing this. So I think it's pretty cool. Do you, do you dress in costume at Comic-Con? Oh Yeah. Yep, I didn't do it this year because I left half my suit at home by accident. Yeah. How do you leave? Uh, Which half? Which, did foot. you bring the top at least? Did you just wear with some jeans? Uh, no, I brought the top. It was the bottom half was gone. So. You could have worn some jorts with so, that. No, been the first year, yeah. That's, that's maybe, maybe. The first year I wore, I wore my costume. I wore my Batman costume. Came out pretty good. But now I'm, I'm getting ready. I got a couple months. I got more than a couple months to get ready. It's at the end of July this year, so I'll be ready to go. You get? Uh, do you mean get ready physically to get into the suit? Oh, oh no, no. You mean get, <laughs> like get in shape? Make sure oh, I yeah. have everything. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't have to get it. That's no, that's not a problem. That, no, I didn't think so. Just get, making sure I have everything with me. So, um, well. we, we, you know, Amon, we we love talk. First of all, I just it's been a great conversation. I, I love talking to people who have real authentic passion for something away from sports and we always when we talk to athletes we always kind of uh celebrate the fact that we know you guys used to have to go through those really annoying um aptitude tests like the wonder lick so we have a just not <laughs> yeah we have a just not sports wonder lake, which is five questions about what you like so We've got five questions about Batman locked and loaded. Adam, you want to take this or should I? Okay. I'll take it. I'll okay. Take it. So Adam's going right. to ask you. Let's see how many you get. Oh, Lord. Okay. Question number one. Name the character who was, who originally was Robin. And by that, we mean his secret identity. Oh, the original? Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson's correct. Yeah. That's right. At least that's yeah, what yeah. I think is correct. <laughs> Okay, you get a little harder. In the Tim Burton, in the Tim Burton Batman, what was the name of the chemical factory where the Joker was born? Uh, Acme Chemicals. Ace Chemicals. You're so close. I had to look it up twice. I knew it was an A. 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 Darn it! I was close. Yeah, close. Close. We all know George. We we all know of the travesty that was George Clooney's Batman and the suit that had nipples in Batman and You're Robin. Right. But did the Robin suit have nipples too? Yes or no? No. Yes. It did. He couldn't resist. Ah. He needed more nipples. Joel there. Schumacher ruined Batman. There's nothing like I taking do. your your teenage character and putting nipples on him <laughs> to make it even right. worse. Right. Uh, so everybody got nipples. So I remember that. Now. Yeah. All right, two All more. Right, I'm one for two. One, one for two. Okay. Cat, Catwoman appeared in the comic Batman number one, but what was she known as at the time? God, what I do know is the original Catwoman just passed away last year. I know that for Earth sure. Kit. Kit, yeah. Um, yeah. Ah, oh, what was she originally known for or known as? In the series or in the book, you mean? In the comic, in the comic book. book. In the very first one. Don't overthink it. 
Catwoman. Um, what was she originally? The cat. Huh. The cat. Name is the cat. Ah, oh, the cat. Okay. All right. Uh, and for three, not good. Not doing good. Not doing good. <laughs> Sorry, you can save. Well, yourself. this is number five. So, so you are. You were so close on number two. So, like, one, right, right. one and a half for four will go. Uh, <laughs> all right. One of the Wayne, last question. One of the Wayne's brothers was originally cast to be Robin in Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Which one? One of the Wayne's brothers. One of the, Did I say Wayne's brothers? The Wayne? The Wayne's brothers, like. Living color, of living, yeah, living color, color fame. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. Did be, to be Robin? Yep. Yeah. It's gotta be um uh, uh what's his name? I just actually Marlin. It had to be Marlin. Yes. Correct. Saved it. It had to be nice. Marlin. It nice had pull. to be Marlin. Yeah, good save right yeah. there. Well, um by the way, we we thank you so much for giving us so much uh, time today, and uh, we just love um, you know hearing about your passion here. We will let our listeners know all about um, the web series you got cooking when it hits live so we just want to say thank you so much for joining the show and we hope to hear more from you and we will look for you in batman vs superman hitting theaters this yes. year yes look for me i'll be there all right <laughs> i'll be looking too <laughs> thanks man FX is unveiling a 10-part miniseries called The People vs. O.J. Simpson. And I think we can all say this will be the most important event in television history. The People vs. O.J. Simpson, or TPVOJS, as I'm sure future generations will call it years from now, has an absolutely bonkers cast that includes Cuba Gooding Jr. as O.J., Nathan Lane as F. Lee Bailey, David Schwimmer as Robert Kardashian, father of the Kardashians, <laughs> and Travolta as F. Lee Bailey. Hello, Emmys. For better or worse, the movie is making us all think about O.J. Simpson again, and it's impossible for our show to forget how O.J. scored one of the most successful athlete crossovers of all time in his role in the Naked Gun movies. That said, just because it's successful doesn't mean it's super complicated. So, Adam... Is it even possible to watch The Naked Gun anymore without being acutely aware of the fact that Nordberg probably killed two people? Well, let, let's first point out that he wasn't convicted. I'm sure there are people <laughs> out there who believe that he didn't do he it. He wrote a book called I Did It. Um, and I think though there are also people out there who believe that the earth is still flat. Um, so that said... Uh, Those gloves didn't fit. Let me let me put this in perspective for you. I can't watch a Mission Impossible movie after seeing the HBO Scientology documentary Going Clear okay. and seeing how insane Tom Cruise is without having committed anything considered a crime that would get you in prison. So can I watch, can I have perspective and go back and watch Naked Gun uh, and look at it objectively? No, I can't. I tried today. I watched several YouTube clips, and all I saw was a murder. I'm going to go with a hashtag hot take. Naked Gun holds up. <laughs> the Nordberg performance is one of my favorites. I know everything about OJ is... Just despicable at this point, but I gotta say, man, if you're we we've talked a lot about athlete performances and movies, and we had that debate of, well, is it one thing to just show up and be yourself, Brett Favre and something about Mary, or LeBron and Trainwreck, or a slight tweak in yourself? Nordberg was like a totally different thing. I mean, this is the first time you're seeing O.J. Simpson, and and he's, you know, just this well-meaning goofball. He immerses himself in the character. It's a good performance. I I think it's okay for us to separate ourselves from OJ, the, the, the person we're allowed to hate for despicable, unforgivable deeds, alleg allegedly, Adam. And this is a really funny, 
piece of a hilariously funny movie. Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I don't think it's so much that the. I don't think that so much the judgment within me that's like he did this horrible thing to these horrible people. I, to me, it's just that he's so identified with that. Right. I have a hard time thinking of him as a comedic actor or as a football player or as a broadcaster or anything else other than OJ the murderer because that's how he was. That's how he's been defined, I think, by by the public and. And being a kid and watching that trial, and then at one point being a teenager, and my dad was thinking about buying me a Ford Bronco, and I said, are you kidding? I'm a half-black kid in the suburbs. I can't be driving around a Bronco. (laughs) (laughs) So, no. Yeah. I I don't know. Joe, any thoughts on this? I'd I'd agree with Adam's sentiment. I I feel like I... I, Have you even seen these movies, Joe? Yeah. Are you kidding me? We got these with my You're like 14 years old. Did you even know who O.J. Simpson is? Yeah. Well, I knew How him. old were you during the trial? Uh, Five? No, I'd have been... When was the trial? 94, 95. I was five then. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew him first in the movies, watching the movies growing up. And then... You know, getting older, learning. You know where you were. You know where you were. When I didn't the naked know he was gun? a football player when I saw the movies. Yeah, you know where you oh. were when the naked gun so came I knew, out. Mo- I knew movie and then murderer That's and then football player yeah. because you were probably sheltered from the murder part or at least didn't understand it. So until yeah, much yeah, because later. you were still in your dad's balls. Because <laughs> you're like That's interesting. Not even old enough to know what's going on. You're yeah. not even born. The, uh, I don't. Let's not discriminate against Let's not Joe put me back for being in the balls, young. All right? I think that's an interesting perspective that where I think Brad and I were probably entering our awkward puberty stages when this trial started. You were just a tyke who didn't understand yeah. stood it, didn't understand it and it became more of a historical event for you later. So it's like 100% cannot separate it. Yeah, I yeah. Lo- I remember the Naked Gun ranks in one of my top five or so funniest movies of all time. It's like up there with Airplane. Um, I remember the first time I saw the South Park movie, I just couldn't stop laughing. Um, I'm a big fan of the original movie Clerks as like the first sort of under like truly underground homemade film that I saw that kind of tapped into my sense of sensibilities, despite what you know, like Clerks Two and all that other crap. Yeah. I just. So Naked Gun has a special place in that I think the movie itself is hilarious. I think the character of Nordberg is an original creation. There's nothing there's nothing about that character that that is OJ Simpson. Let me explain that. He he's not athletically gifted. He's a klutz in everything he does. Okay? Yeah. He is just a well-meaning sap who just straight ahead, you know, that doesn't scream professional athlete or complex individual. And he's really just a, a a punching bag for everything, from bear traps to wedding cake to whatever. I think the performance is hilarious. I think he's good in all three movies. I think he's really good in the first movie. And I don't have a problem watching it right now. I'm not saying you guys do or that we should as America. Like, no. It's a movie. But I, I think the performance holds up. And I was honestly shocked at rewatching it, just how good he was at the physical comedy of it. You know, it, it's interesting because he really isn't anything – like OJ, I mean, the character Nordberg has a black wife. <laughs> Adam. Uh, Sparkle Ponies, before you hit us up on email, Adam is 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 a minority who's allowed to say that. Yeah, I can say some shit. Uh, <laughs> black wife. Okay. Uh, I also um, liked when he put his face in a wedding cake. I thought that was funny. And charming. Um, did you guys see the sequels? No. Uh, yes, but I don't, I don't remember them, actually. Did, two and a Half, I think, was funny. It was pretty much the same movie. 33 and a Third, by then, you could tell it was running a steam. Here's a little known fact about 33 and a Third. Came out March 94. He's in the Bronco three months later. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. And I think when you... Now, that was not enough to spoil the theatrical run. The, the mm. franchise was done by then. Sure. But it's it's fascinating to think that here's a guy who was still in a big mainstream movie, and then, you know, he's on the small screen a few weeks, a f- really a few weeks later, um, 
in the Bronco and everything changes. It's just crazy. I mean, and, and the OJ murder, we can't lose we can't lose sight of this. Because I think at the benefit of Heinz, and Joe, you weren't old enough to really understand it. The OJ murder is one of those salacious moments in media history that is is now viewed as sort of a a, a a moment you can look at and say everyone remembers where they were when the verdict was laid out, where mm-hmm. they remember how they felt, or they remember the media coverage of the trial. And you don't, you could never put it on the same plane as like the moon landing or JFK assassination. But you'd be shocked how many people would remember where they were when they heard the verdict. Or, or it, I guess you could say it's like the Lindbergh baby. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's sure. just one of those things that took over America for a year. And wasn't crazy. And it's even crazier to think that was Lieutenant Nordberg. <laughs> right. Well, and just the way um, before that, the fascination with trials and true crime cases, I don't think was nearly what it was after the trial. I mean, obviously the prominence of the person, but just the facts around the case and everyone in some sense becoming a uh, amateur detective right. uh, watching home on uh, TV. I think we've seen a, a trend since then with shows all, all the way up until the recent uh, Netflix documentary series Making a Murderer. I think. Um, Do you think he was framed too? Oh, I uh, well, <laughs> it's interesting because I that was the whole crux of the case, right? I mean, I lived in Wisconsin at that time and didn't know a lot of those details, um, and. Um, Mike Halbach, uh, the brother of the victim, Teresa Halbach, uh, I worked with him uh, for the Green wow. Bay Packers. So I have a, I have a, I have to admit that I'm biased, uh, thinking, knowing that Mike is a great guy. I will, for once, censor myself uh, in commenting about that case. But I, uh, it is, it, I was thinking while walking. I watching, meant OJ. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant I thought you murder. meant Stephen Avery. OJ didn't kill those guys. Well, as we said, allegedly, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, the, the, I, you know what? I honestly was willing to believe, like, sure, reasonable doubt that they couldn't yeah. make it. They couldn't do the burden of proof. When the book came out, Chuck Colesterman did a really interesting interview yeah. with Bill Simmons where he talks about there's weird recollections in there where OJ talks about like Ron Goldman as he's murdering him and you know Nicole Brown says, Simpson that Ron Goldman's striking like karate poses to kind of like. You know, like a, you're about to fight someone, you kind of get into a kung fu pose. And OJ remembers thinking, like, that's really funny. Like, that, you know, oh, this guy thinks he's going to stop me with this crap. That's a detail that, like, Stephen King wouldn't make up. Yeah. It's that, a type of real life thing that you look at and you're like, this has to be your memory of what happened. I think that book was looked at, looked as by some as the sickest money grab ever. I think it was a middle finger from a sociopath right. uh, throwing it up to say, like, Guess what? I think it was, I can get away money. with this. He's just desperate. Like, I don't know he, if it was. I don't think it was purely financially motivated. I think there's a big part of the, the ego involved that was like, "I'm going to write this because I can." And guess what? You can't do anything about it. Right. Trial's over. Yeah. Well, so was his acting career. He did win a Raz a, a Razzie for his role in Naked Gun 33 to Third, which I thought was a curious choice. It was clearly they were just saying like. Oh yeah, OJ had a bad Murder year. Let's somebody. pile on. It wasn't. I mean, they hadn't they hadn't like yeah. nailed him for the first two. So why now? Um, all right, let me throw something out to you guys. We're gonna do a little game, little little investigation. True or false? OJ, according to IMDb, made a series of movies in the seventies, like especially TV movies that had really unfortunate names for what eventually <laughs> became of his life. Oh, so I'm going to read you a few of these genre movies, and you're going to tell me which titles are real and which are fake. Okay, you ready? A Killing Affair. I'm going to say that's true. That's real. It is real. 1977 TV movie with Todd Bridges. <laughs> with Todd Bridges from yeah. Different Strokes? From Different Strokes. Awesome. Amazing. All right, two. Detour to Terror. Yeah, I'm going to say that's real. Legit. Real. 1980. Boom. TV movie. Oh, God. Okay, number three. The Knife's Edge. False. Fake. (laughs) It's false. (laughs) Yes. Four. Murder by Moonlight. (laughs) Oof. 
I'm going to go fake on this one. I'm going to say true. It's fake. <laughs> fake. Thank goodness. How about this? <laughs> Killer Force. <laughs> was OJ Simpson in a movie called Killer Force? Yes, he was. I'm going to say no. <laughs> it's real. Damn it. It's a heist movie that had Telly Savalas and Peter Fonda. Oh. They eventually changed the name to the Diamond Mercenaries, and I think they might have done that for the DVD release because you couldn't have OJ Simpson in a movie called Killer Force. True. Yeah, I might I might not be right. Okay, the last one. Last one. True or false? You didn't see nothing, Kato. I'm st- you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. You didn't we see nothing, We are recording Kato. late at night. I'm you didn't see nothing. So I'm false. Uh, the Naked Gun is being rebooted, allegedly, with Ed Helms as the detective, uh, Frank Drebin. What athlete would you cast as Nordberg? Just a quick side note: Ed Helms gets a second reboot. He didn't he just do the Vacation series? Yeah, he's both, I didn't see he's Vacation. Both, he's both Chevy Chase and, and Leslie OJ. Nielsen. And yeah, and Leslie Nielsen. What yeah. athlete would I put in with just similar saying. traits? <laughs> Thanks for the input, Joe. Uh, Trying to talk more. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I think Ray Lewis is the obvious choice. <laughs> 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 he didn't see it. no he's Cato he didn't see anything uh, I was just going to ask this question I didn't feel like I needed to answer it I'm going to say Nordberg is a well-meaning guy always trying to do the right thing always failing I'm trying to think of an athlete who's always hurt every year uh, Derek Rose yeah how about no, that'd be that'd be brutal. What about Dwight Howard? Actually, Dwight would be really good in this. Nice job, Joe. He's yeah. got a good personality. He's kind of like I but think he's Derek like Rose was more likable. No, yeah, no, no. Well, I, I feel like you that's can put, a really really difficult debate. <laughs> Derek yeah, Rose and Dwight Howard difficult to think, difficult I, meaning like uh, like depending on how the careers go and how the perceptions are of are them. I would say this: I worked with Dwight Howard. He's a really engaging, gregarious guy. Yeah, I can, and he wants to be liked, and he wants to be. I think yeah. in that role that OJ was in at the time, where he was both sports ambassador on the sidelines for NFL, an yeah. all-time great, and a crossover star. So that's mm. a great one, Joe Reed, pulling your weight. I see Thanks, Dwight man. Howard more like in a Police Academy remake, not Naked Gun, not the Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. Right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Shit. Two two freaking cop comedies. Whatever. Anyway, um, to recap, uh, OJ was in the Naked Gun in 1988. May or may not have killed two people. Time will tell. Time will. I will time. Di- I will time, time tell. Is, time is told. Time uh, is told. He wanted that. Can't reopen that case, back. guys. It's unconstitutional. <laughs> That's the end. No, you're right. He's in jail for that other crime. Wink, wink. <laughs> Wait, look. Watch <laughs> Naked Gun. See how you feel. If, if you let us know what you think, email us at justnotsports uh, at gmail.com or, or uh, hit us up on Twitter at justnotsports. I'm just curious can you separate this? Can you watch it? I, I can. I like, I like watching Naked Gun. I think it's a hilarious movie. I think OJ's great in it. I'm very sorry for everything else that came after it, including the second sequel, which I did not like. Can I watch the movie? Yes. Love the movie. Can I look at, AG, at, at OJ as that character? No, sir. Right. Okay. Well, hey, that's our show for this week. I want to give a shout out to all the beautiful, unique Sparkle Ponies who subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. You can beat our comment of the week next week. <coughs> Excuse me. Follow us on Twitter at Just Not Sports. Email us tips, thoughts, topics, justnotsports at gmail.com. I want to give a shout out to our guest today, Amon Green. Really great discussion about Batman, everything Dark Knight. Look for him in the Superman vs. Batman movie. Thug number two, I believe, was right. Thug that number sounds two. Right. I want to give a shout out to our producer, editor, Joe Reed on the mic. Joe, please think of something more insightful to say for next week. Clock is ticking. And nothing. Just give me a finger point. That's where you're the best in the People business. You said next week. People can't see that on podcast. You know we're not, what? We're not filming. I heard this. next Adam, week. You know why I we're hesitated. not filming this? Because you can't get it together to make this multimedia. Adam, any shout outs? Um, I mean, these guys, 
there was an email chain earlier this week. Some things were said. I'm not totally happy with them, but I can't leave them out. Uh, Shout out to my boy Uzi. Def Jeff. The legend. Little Swanee. One of the worst nicknames ever, but we love you anyways. Meech, which sounds like a rash. Um, Ron Mack. And my other uh, not-so-favorite cousin right now, Ron. It's time for healing. And you know there's no better way to heal than remembering the words of Shaquille O'Neal. Booty rappers? Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Jump in the stands. <laughs> Stay booty. <laughs>